Hey guys, it's Amber. I have a favor to ask, especially from those of you who have been listening for a while now. Would you be so kind to rate and review this podcast? Why? Because ratings and reviews get noticed. And honestly, we want more people to hear the good news about Jesus and the everyday applications that help us know and love God more. And don't forget to share these episodes with others. Thanks for your support. Today's episode is called Win Ugly. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. We are smack dab into uh, August now, so I'm going to go ahead and guess that some of you may be packing a child up to take to college. Maybe you've picked a child up from their last week at summer camp, or maybe you have been grandpa and grandma camp for a child, and maybe now you're recovering. At any rate, we are going full speed ahead towards September, and that always seems to me to be our second new year. In terms of it's sort of the reset that we need at this time of the year because schedules change with the kids going back to school, which means things at church change, we go back to Sunday school, Bible history, catechism classes, and there's just the feel that maybe it's a time to do things differently. And because of that, I want you to think about what your goals are and how you hope to achieve them. If there's one thing I'm really good at, it's not necessarily ever been a goal of mine, but I'm really good at it, it is winning ugly. And let me explain what that is. So way back when my younger brother was on a high school basketball team, they were at a section game and the team just played not very well at all. And afterwards they squeaked out a win, but there had been turnovers and foul trouble and just major mistakes made. And the coach said afterwards, you know, we may not have won pretty, but an ugly win is a win. That seems to be a lot the way my life works out in terms of, you know, nothing in my life screams Martha Stewart was here. I don't really have the kind of house and yard and and anything about me that says, hey, you're put together. In fact, my oldest daughter told me one time, she said, mom, you are two extremes. You are either like dressed and ready to present and be at church, or you look like a homeless person. There is no in between for you. And that pretty much sums my life up. So the good news about this is, is that most of the wins that I've had have been pretty much ugly wins, which means that I don't see any reason to take a lot of credit for them. Pretty much everyone around me knows if something goes well, God was behind it. And he gets some glory. And that's not a bad thing. So this is a thing, though. You don't have to be a parent or a grandparent to recognize the value of an ugly win. In fact, there are a lot of ugly wins in scripture. A lot. If you start looking for them, you will see them everywhere. So just look at the Apostle Paul's life, okay? The Apostle Paul was not this man who just went into towns and the people befriended him and you know, greeted him warmly and said, hey, stay some some more time with us. <laughs> How many times in the Bible don't we see him being chased out of town? Sometimes, you know, 
He was he was lowered through a basket once. He was stoned and left for dead after everybody thought he was dead. He crawled away. There are times that he was escorted out of the time, out of the town by the police. Um, there are times that he was left in the jail. There were times that in Jerusalem, the Roman officers had to get him out by nightfall so that he wouldn't be, um, you know, taken over by these Jewish men who had taken an oath not to eat until they killed Paul. So, I mean, there were a lot of wins for for um, the Apostle Paul that, that weren't like something you'd put in a scrapbook. <laughs> they were like, man, got out of that one by the skin of my teeth. How about Jonah? Jonah definitely had an ugly win. So his disobedience <laughs> brought him onto that ship where he was sleeping during this typhoon and what happened? The men threw him overboard. He was swallowed by a fish, spent some time in the belly, um, which I can only assume included bile and other fish and that type of thing. And then he was vomited up on the shore. <laughs> Could not have smelled very good, looked very good, <laughs> felt very good. Um, yeah, he was alive, but ooh, that that's an ugly win. Uh, how about Jacob in the Old Testament? He tricked his dad, stirred his brother's wrath, had to escape to his uncles. Then he was tricked into marrying the sister of the woman he loved. Drama, 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 more drama. And then his children became the 12 tribes of Israel, which were, by the way, the foundation of the Old Testament people of God. How about the thief on the cross? Nothing too pretty there. He was hanging on a cross dying when he met Jesus. And boy, did he get a win. Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. They were both bleeding, bloody, suffocating. Um, The thief had come from, well, a life of robbery. And there he was. But boy, what a win. Listen, a lot of our lives are less than perfect. They are not social media ready. And we live in a social media world. So, can we just get real for a second? Social media is not really real. It's staged, it's edited, it's done at the right angle. My daughter and I went to Chicago last spring and there was this wonderful little place that we found that you could um, take pictures and the Chicago skyline was in the back. And my daughter had this idea, she's 21, and she had this idea that we should jump in the air, both of us, with the skyline in the back. And it was a great idea. However, we were jumping on this like cement cement slab where Lake Michigan was coming up and lapping water onto the thing. So it was a little bit slippery. And I bet we took 30 pictures before we got one where we were both jumping at the same time, looking, smiling. Um, one of us didn't have this crazy look on our face like, I mean, that would be me. Like, I'm going to die if I have to do this one more time. And, you know, yeah, we posted this really awesome picture. And it took a lot of time to get it. So, you know, it's really important that we don't worry about making things look pretty. And we're going to get to that. That's that's the point we're going to make. But the point being, how can we win ugly when our lives are dotted with failures and inadequacy and everything in between. I'm going to give you three things, but I think there could even be four. We'll get to that. Three things for sure. Number one, 
just walk with God. Tim Keller had this beautiful sermon. It was called Prayer in the Psalms. And he talked about becoming a friend of God. And he said, the first thing you want to do to become a friend of God is really to take his commandments seriously. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened and heard my voice in prayer. And I just, I know, I have to make this point. We don't obey God to earn God's favor. We get God's favor the minute we realize Jesus is the way of salvation, right? It's that tax collector who looked to heaven and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, as in, I know I have nothing to offer here. And I know and trust that Jesus is the answer. So we don't obey God to to like get to the next level in God looking at us and loving us. That's not what it's all about. The thing is that as we come to know and understand God's commands, as we read the word, then we're going to understand that God's commands are there for our blessing. And as we obey them, it's not about it's not about becoming a better Christian or somehow earning our salvation. We could never do that, right? We could never do that. But the motive in our heart is more, wow, God has done so much for me and he has given me the wisdom to know that these commands are good. And that if I walk in this way, there will be blessing. My grandpa used to say, why walk in the mud if you can walk on the sidewalk? As in, you know, Amber, we can do this the hard way. I lived with my grandpa during college. The poor man, he put up with a lot. But um, he used to, you know, kind of make this point of you can fight this and you can make this a big ordeal or you can just obey God's commands and it will just be such a blessing to you. And thankfully, um, he prayed a lot because I don't think I understood a lot of what he was trying to teach me at the time. So let that be an encouragement to you. In fact, it's never too late to get your your kids into the word. And again, when we're starting this new schedule in September, this is the perfect time. If you have never established a devotional and prayer time with your children at night, can I just put a little, like, let's do this in your mind? Because it is just the sweetest time. And it is such an important thing to establish with your children. And it doesn't have to be this major ordeal. So when my kids were little, we had this little devotional book. It's a preschool book. And we would read, um, I think it had like one Bible passage. And then it had a little story about how these kids worked that out. And then it had a prayer. And it it was maybe three minutes. But um, as my children have gotten older now, my kids are, of course, teens and young adults. And so, you know, we just read out of the word and um, and then we pray and we pray and ask God to help us to apply that. And it's just such a great time to get together as a family, to to make sure everybody knows that this is really important. Being in the word of God is important. We want to know what God says. And then we pray about the things that are on our heart. And um, when you do that, you get to know what's on your children's hearts. And so if you've never done it before, can I just say, give it a try now, give it a shot and don't be hard on yourself and don't give up. So if, if you decide you're going to do this and week number one, you got two days in instead of seven and you're like, well, it's not even worth it. It is worth it. Do two to the next week. Shoot for three. 
(laughs) It doesn't matter. Just get the family together, whether it's at night or in the morning at the breakfast table. I have friends who do that. It's a really sweet, sweet time. And it's good to show your, your children that the Word of God means something to your family. So never stop reading the Word yourself. Never stop encouraging your children, grandchildren, neighbors, the next generation, adult children, whoever you have, you know, in your life. That's who you can encourage with the Word. You can be saying, you know, it's funny, last night we read this in the Bible, and this is exactly what's going on in the news, or or whatever. Bring it up and... So walk with God. Number one, when when you're trying to win ugly, I know we don't try to win ugly, but at least um, if we're heading in that direction to win, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, first tip, make sure you're walking with God. Number two, persevere. When life gets ugly and you're losing It's very normal to want to quit, give up, throw in the towel, go, well, I tried. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 5, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Look, if we give up in our our sufferings, we're like those seeds that are sown on the rocky ground that Jesus was talking about in his parable of the sower and seeds. Everything is fine. We'll, we'll be a Christian as long as things are good. But when trouble or hardship comes along, it's either it's easy to just let our faith wither. We persevere as Christians. We pray through the tough, tough stuff. Hang on. Why? Because we trust God has a plan. And we know, Romans 8, 28, that God will bring about good somehow, some way. Jesus said, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the, the crown of life. Look, my kids are older now, so I can look back and I can see that those really trying times, whatever they were, if it was a bully on the bus or if it was a class that they just could not see that they were going to make it through, whatever it was, a sports season, when we persevered, there is something that produces character in you, that produces that, I have to overlook and forgive. I have to find another way to make this work. I have to be kind to the bully or find something that will help him to like me instead of picking on me every day. Those things, they produce character in you. And really, truly, those things are so important. We can thank God for those things that refine our character. Yeah, they're not pleasant at the time. It's it's horrid. But if we can somehow hang on knowing God is producing something good, it is well worth it. Number three, forget about looking good. Forget about doing that. Look, the Apostle Paul said suffering produces character and character hope. You know what else suffering produces? It produces wrinkles and extra weight gain and gray hair. And that's okay. Two things about this. One, forget about getting caught up in that. You know, I'm not joking. So I hate to even admit this because it is fairly embarrassing. Look, I have been part of the church my whole life. In fact, I've not only been part of the church, I've not just been a member. I've been working in the church. Like, 
my whole adult life. I've been, you know, teaching Sunday school and Bible history and teaching women's Bible study, and I'm on the adult spiritual growth team, and I've done worship coordinating and blah, 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 blah. And our church shut down for two months, right, during the whole COVID thing, and then it opened up, and my husband was working with COVID patients, and there were a lot of elderly people who needed to go to church. They didn't know how to run the TV and how to get the service up. And for them, it was it was really important that they were in church. And so we had decided for a time that we were going to let them go to church. And we were going to stay home because we just didn't want to be responsible for bringing COVID to these elderly people. So we stayed out of the church for about nine months. And during that time, I put on a little weight, you know, the COVID-19. And um, so when we decided we were going to go back to church, I am not joking. I had this moment where I thought, maybe I'm not going to go back to church. Maybe what I'll do is really start working out, get myself back into shape, and then go back to church. Yeah, that's sort of like saying I'll go back to church when I've got my life in order and I've straightened things out. That's, that's defeating the purpose. We don't go to church when our life is all together. We go to church to hear the word, to worship with other believers, to be mutually edified, and to fellowship. And I was so glad when I went back to church, you know, not looking the same as when I had left. There my friends were, and they didn't seem to care what I looked like, how I looked, They were just happy to have me back. And you know, all I have to say about that is it's okay to ask for help. When your life is getting ugly, when things are not going really well, you can raise a white flag. You can let your Christian friends know that you need their prayers. You need their help. The Apostle Paul tells us more than once, bear with one another He says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. In the book of Galatians, he said, carry each other's burdens. You don't have to try to make it look good. In fact, I cannot tell you the number of times that I have struggled through a situation. And when I finally told a brother or sister in Christ what was going on and asked for them to pray, notoriously, that's when change starts to occur. I don't know if it's me being humble or just the prayers of one other person. I don't know what it is, but I have noticed that so many times. And that brings us to number four. Be transparent. I had the most amazing thing happen. Back when my son graduated from high school, the very next day we were invited to a graduation open house from a friend that he had had in elementary school. I had not seen this young man for four years. My uh, son and this other young man went to different high schools, but we were invited to this graduation open house. And we went there and I asked this young man, I said, what are you going to do? And he said, I don't know. I said, where are you going to go to college? He said, well, I know that, but I don't know what I'm majoring in. I don't have any classes. He said, in all honesty, It was all I could do to make it through high school this year. And let me tell you, I had arrived at this open house with my son and his friend who had both struggled their way through this last year of high school. When we had it in Minnesota, we had 
almost the entire year online. And it was so hard and it was such a struggle. And as soon as he said that, it was like, I just felt this tremendous sense of ease. Like I was not in this alone. And it wasn't just our family who struggled. There there were other people who struggled their way through. And it was just the most amazing thing. And I just thought, it is so important that I am transparent with other people. I do not have to, you know, tell everybody about every fight I get into with my husband. That's that's not what I'm saying. It's a matter of being transparent with people when you're struggling. Or if they say to you, I'm struggling, and you say, whoa, I have struggled with that too. I have also been really praying about this or wondering how to deal with it or whatever. It can be such a comfort and aid to our Christian friends when we are willing to be transparent and real. I don't have it all together. There's nothing about me that says I have it all together, but this I do know. That in God's kingdom, a win is a win. I told my son and his friends and a lot of people this after graduation. Look, after you graduate from high school, no one really cares if you had a 2.0, a 3.0, a 3.8, or a 4, or 4.0, right? Usually people don't ask you that. You graduated. The same is true in heaven. Once you get to heaven, it doesn't matter if you are a lifelong Christian or if you were like that thief on the cross who met Jesus on the very last day he had on earth. Once you get there, you're there. So I don't think we have to worry about making it look good. I think our job is to walk with God, to persevere through the tough stuff, to be transparent so we can encourage one another and keep pressing on, honoring God, serving God and his people and looking for that win, good, bad or ugly. This has been little things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Have you checked out C.L. Whiteside's podcast, The Non-Microwave Truth, yet? It offers a fresh, vibrant Christian perspective to today's issues. C.L. is an educator and coach. He takes lessons from the Bible and applies them to everyday situations. I love to listen to him, and I bet you will too. You can find his podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check it out, The Non-Microwave Truth. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you listening each week. Your prayers and continued support for Time of Grace are such a blessing. Don't forget to rate and review little things and come back next week for more biblical encouragement.